how are, how'd you get so successful? What do you, well, uh, I don't know. It took me 23 years, first of all. So let's not get carried away. And I failed almost 95% of the time for real. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. No matter what you do or where you are in your life right now, I'm pretty sure you've heard the word no more than once. And some of those no's might make you feel like you don't want to get out of bed. This podcast is here to tell you, you're not alone. If all these people can walk through the valley of no's to get to their yes, why can't you? Welcome and thank you for joining me again at 10,000 No's. Today, I have the multifaceted Brian Callen with me, who really proves the premise of this podcast, that people and brands are not built overnight. And for every smashing success, there's a story of massive rejection, failure, and patience for decades in some cases. Brian and I shared a manager in the early 2000s, and that's when we met. Since then, I've seen him rise through our industry from a distance as an actor in films like The Hangover, Old School, Warrior, TV shows like The Goldbergs, you'll hear how that gig turned into a spinoff called Schooled, centered on Brian's character, which will air this year. I've seen him work as a comedian. I actually haven't seen his recent stand-up, but I loved him years ago, and now he gets flown around the world to make people laugh. And I've listened to him on his extremely successful podcast, the fighter and the kid. He's the kid, even though he's also a trained fighter. As you'll hear, he's extremely smart, he's opinionated, and most of all, he's honest, not afraid to say just the way he sees it, regardless of whether it's politically correct. I really enjoyed our time together, especially because he squeezed it in between the many jobs he's been running around doing. You'll walk away knowing that hard work can build a career brick by brick. Brian Callen. You know, mm -hmm. from a distance. Yeah, we've been we've both been slugging away, slugging away. I mean, that's you know, you're like, I mean, that's why I, I'm, I'm ready for all the success that happened over the past two years to end. I mean, something's gonna, my my I get nervous about you know I don't know anything can happen. I'm not used to having a steady job or making money. Well, tell me, tell me about the the steady job or the making money or what you're up to right now because I feel like you're wearing like 10 hats right now so well, walk I mean, us I, through you know, I, I started to watch how being an actor was very very precarious when you're an actor you're 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 dependent upon a room full of people you never meet or see and they decide yay or nay and almost always I don't care who you are they say nay and it can be for a thousand reasons that are beyond your control so who wants to live that way? I did for years and um, I don't enjoy it. I also don't like acting on a set as much as I like, you know, people and hanging out. So um, but I saw that stand up was something I could uh, I had some autonomy. First of all, I had a creative outlet. I could write and I could perform. And I could do my acting on stage and I would get, and so that's, that's very difficult to compete with. And it's what I do anyway. And I do naturally. So that was a big sort of eye opener where I could make money. I could actually make in the beginning, you're still making maybe 1500 bucks for the weekend. But back then that's, that's a lot. Even when I saw you, that's the other thing I'm just remembering. I saw you do stand up. It's the only time I've seen you do stand up. So I need to come really? see one of you. Yeah, you got to get me tickets to one of your shows now. So fun. I saw you do stand up in New York. 
on a, like a Saturday afternoon, like a random show mm. somewhere in Midtown on the West side. You were incredible. Mm. Like I didn't, I didn't really know you well. And it's kind of like, oh yeah, I'm going to, this guy invited me to his thing. And usually when you get invited to those things, you're like, yeah. Hey man, that was awesome. And yeah, you know, yeah. and it's, you know, it's not awesome. And you were really good. I, I, I don't remember well, the show, but I remember you speaking in Spanish and doing something with oh, like yeah. riding on a Well, horse. I'll say this about, about stand up for me. Like I'm not good at a lot of things, right? I'm just, you know, I I've, I watch my acting. I'm just okay. I mean, I'm all right. I'm not. I don't think I'm good at anything. I mean, I'm okay at things, and and um, but I think I've I've always been good at stand up. <laughs> I mean, I've, I I know there's a better way to put it. This is the only thing I'll say is I've I've been making people laugh really hard for 23 years. As a stand as a stand up. Yeah, yeah, I've never not beyond that. I've probably. never not been the guy that makes people like. I will say that that's what I'm, I'm really good at because I was put on the earth to do it. That's kind of, that to say I'm not is, is, would be me being an asshole. I'm really good at it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm as good as anybody in my opinion, as far as like, you want me to get up and make you laugh? Well, I can make you laugh. You know, I've always been able to make people laugh really hard for a long time and that's the craft. And so that was immensely satisfying. It kept me, it kept my esteem up. It kept my sanity when I wasn't working as an actor, which was way more than I was. Uh, it gave me money. But then I started to realize that, um, I realized that when I started really focusing on stand up, I saw Joe Rogan, who's a good friend of mine and what this podcast was doing for him. And he said, you got to start a podcast. And I was like, all right. And I tried and I, I started a thing called 10 minute podcast. Well, the reason I did a podcast was not to make money, but it was really to, um, because I, I realized that you couldn't sell tickets. You don't even need to bring it close to okay. you because it's, but I, I realized you couldn't sell tickets just being on TV. You couldn't sell tickets because you were in the hangover. You couldn't sell tickets because you were some but you, but you, you know, you, you, you'd have to do press and tell people you were in town and it was always hard to sell tickets on a Thursday and a Sunday. And, and, but I saw people who had popular podcasts, those podcasters would come out to see you and they were like, Rogan was selling out everywhere. How early did he start his? Oh man. I don't know. Like I didn't even hear the term like, podcast. Literally till... he started his like 10 years ago or something. I don't know. It was a long time ago. Really? Yeah. I did his, one of his first podcasts, but you know, it was incredible because um, I tried with Will Sasso and Chris D'Elia. We had the 10-minute podcast. That became pretty popular. What year it was that? had a cult following. Uh, we stopped doing it about four years ago. And then, um, and then I did my own podcast, The Brian Callen Show, and it wasn't very good because I would interview authors. That I, would, and it just, I didn't know how to interview smart people. And, but then I got together with Brendan Shop, and I said, let's call it The Fighter and the Kid. And you had a cage fighter and a dirty comedian. And that was it. And because of Schaub's business acumen and his ability to just grind and keep me focused, which is what he did, and keep me funny, he keeps me from being too serious. Your guys, and our, and our audience dynamic. is young. Yeah, you're. And dynamic. they don't want to hear a fifty-year-old guy talk about politics or philosophy, yeah. which is my tendency, you know. But he keeps me silly, and he keeps reminding me that the people want to laugh. They don't want to learn. Don't be silly, you know. Let let them go to school for that. So. I have to, so to, to pair up with him was the perfect symbiosis. And uh, the podcast became really successful. Along came this little show called The Goldbergs that I was doing. Uh, they, they wanted me to come and do a, uh, just an episode of. And that turned into more episodes. Then that turned into a heavy recurring. And four years, five years later, I'm doing now the spinoff. 
That's so amazing, now I'm man. Two Congrats. Shows. So now I'm on two TV shows, and I got my it's called Schools, my special. Right? Yeah, it's called School. Is but it this, is it out yet, or it's coming out? No, it's oh. coming out. But we're, we're should, but but this is what success is. It's almost an accident or a controlled fall. I mean, you just keep trying and keep keep adjusting your approach. You know, sometimes I go, how how'd you get so successful? What do you, well, uh, I don't know. It took me 23 years, first of all. So let's not get carried away. And I failed almost 95% of the time for real. So there were, there were four or five yeses in there that I held on to. I mean, that's, yeah. that's literally what no, it no, is. Well, so it's not, you know, it's not like I look back and go, look at what, what a success I am. I mean, anybody who, who, who sticks with anything for 23 years the way I did, something right's got to happen. Right. I, right? I mean, yeah. I, I, by the way, I'm 51. It's not that impressive. For those of you who don't know Brian or what he looks like, it's unbelievable to me that he's handsome. 51. He's tight handsome. skin. No, but he's, he's in crazy shape. We, we ran into each other a couple of years ago and he told me, I had no idea. I just, I mean, I'm not much younger, but I'm a little bit younger. Yeah. But I was blown away that you were, because you're, you, I guess, are into fitness yeah. and, and nutrition. Well, it's all and, the same thing. Yeah. Like the, you, fitness and nutrition is a way to keep the train going. Yeah. Like I, I don't want my body to get in the way of what I love to do. Right. Yeah. Stay elastic. And I'm not going to start getting on testosterone and stuff like that because then it becomes vanity, but just staying in shape. You yeah. Know? Same. Yeah. It's all part of the toolbox. Yeah. Yeah. As I say, it's like you want to be able to play with your kids or your grandkids when you get older. So you don't want to be the guy who's got all the money and can't bend down to play with their kids. Yeah. That 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 comes down to a word called balance. Yeah. And uh, trade offs. You know, it's it's connection, human connection, and community are just as important as accomplishment. Yeah. Um, I had turned on. You know, so I have been hounding you. Thank you for sitting down with me. I've been hounding you. I feel like it's been what is it, like six or eight months or something? Yeah. We were supposed to do this a while yeah. ago. Yeah. And then you were, I think, in China. You were, you've been all over the world. Yeah, you, gone, you have, yeah. You're like the busiest man going um, between your stand-up, the shows, the podcast. I don't know what else you have going on. But um, you, I intermittently would turn on your podcast just to be like, well, let me see what he's up to right now. To mm. go. And at one point, I just randomly turned it on and you were telling the story of getting off the plane and getting this, the new, the the spinoff show. And you actually may have even used the term or you, I don't know if you said 10,000 no's, but you said, I've had so many no's. And I was like, yep, I knew there's a reason I wanted them on the show. Like you, you have, cause we've had similar kind of just, just to stay in the game kind of thing, you know, where we've, we've been doing it for a long time and you get knocked down and you love it. So you keep getting back up. Um, but even the way you phrased it, I was just wondering, you know, for my listeners, that the kind of the, you know, I'm always wondering how can the guest help them? Like, what has been your, what what do you think has been your superpower? Because you do kind of have a superpower. One is the comedy, but just like in attitude, what what is it? Well, you- I think uh, there. Well, one is to not take yourself too seriously, uh, and the other is perspective. You know, in in the in the idea that. Um, you, you you need to first of all anybody who's surprised that getting good at something and being worth it takes years is uh, just not living in the real world. How are you supposed to be good at piano without ten years of focused practice? I don't think any. You want to be a good boxer? Well, well, I'll see you in ten years. So there's no nothing that's worth it 
doesn't take forever. And I don't know anybody that I admire, whether they're extreme winners like Michael Jordan or they're, you know, even chess prodigies. I don't know anybody I admire who doesn't who doesn't work, who who didn't put in those hours of deliberate and deep practice. So what people should fall in love with, I've always been in love with the idea of building acumen, building skill, real skill, not hype. But I, I, I want to, my, 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 I think what kept me going, if there's a credo, is which, you know, uh, or something that I always thought about was original self-expression. I want to be original. I'm not interested in being derivative in any way. So to be original requires, uh, and I don't like hard work. I hate that word. Because, you know, hard work sounds so punitive. Yeah. And it also sounds like I work hard and you don't, so I'm making myself better. I think hard work is bullshit. Hard work? Okay, so digging ditches is hard work. Those people work way harder than I do. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about inspiration. How do you maintain inspiration? Why are you doing what you're doing? You have to have a good why. Because the good why, which should be a philosophy, by the way. Well, Simon Sinek. Have you ever have you ever read the book? Uh, Seneca. Start with, Seneca? No, uh, Simon Sinek. S I N E K. Start with why. Great book. Well, you, because 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 that's that's very important. Yeah. What is the question you're asking yourself every day? Are you asking yourself some a question like um, you know what do I have to do to get famous or what do I have to do to get to make money or what do I have to, or are you saying what do I want to be what what would I like to do every day for the sake of its own doing. Your, your, your most, you know, Schiller said, man's never more himself than when at play. Play being that which you do for the sake of its own doing. That's why I think like things like jujitsu are so beautiful for the lost. If you're lost, go get your black belt in jujitsu. Get deep into it. Not because you're, you'll be able to kick ass in a bar, but because it's a, it's a beautiful art form that has so many different layers and requires so much of you and so little of your ego. And, and that juxtaposition really will distill you and who you are at your essence and lead you to beautiful things. Yeah. I really believe that. Because when you learn something like jujitsu or when you learn how to play 50 songs on a guitar or you learn how to read the newspaper in Spanish, when, you know, whatever it might be, I, I think that you are opening new doors. If you can't find a girlfriend or a boyfriend, go take, go get really good at salsa really good at it and go, go dance somewhere. So I believe in actions and I, and I believe in, uh, what happens to the person when they build skill. I play tennis. I'm never going to be, I'm never going to play a tournament or anything else, but I obsess over my stroke and my grip. There's, I get great value from that because it translates to lots of other things, including being a better father. Yeah. Because you familiarize yourself with the art of learning. Have you read, I'm sure you have, I'm not a tennis player, but an actor actually suggested. Winning Dirty? No, the, uh, the inner game of tennis. I have, yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, it's great. It's a really good it's one. It's great. Tim Ferriss I melted down on an audition and I saw this guy that I know the way I know you, like I would see him every now and then, um, Eric Palladino. And I, and I saw him. Look him up. And uh, yeah, you probably know him. And- and I basically had a terrible, it was in pilot season, terrible experience. And I came out and he's like, what's going on? And I was like, that was, it was awful. And he's like, I was drive, I was driving home and we didn't know each other that, that well. We had done like one job together, but I think we must've had each other's 
phone numbers and he texted me and he's like, hey man, and he called and we had this whole conversation and he goes, you should read this book. And it was all about being in the moment. And mm-hmm. that's, I'm not a tennis player, but that's what it seems to me is the- That's him? That's him, yeah. Yeah, I know yeah. yeah good guy. I, I know he is. Yeah. Um, but, it, and, and, but it was one of those things where it's like being in the moment and, and not, you know, removing your ego, watching the ball, reacting in the moment, which is great yeah. acting. That's fighting. Fighting. That's dancing. That's, that's relationships. That's, this. that's I mean, right. That's what I love. I mean, I'm I'm addicted to this right now. This is, you know, for anybody listening, thank you for listening. This is like a little tiny little independent film that's like not even, you know, compared to The Fighter and the Kid, which is Brian's podcast, is like, uh, you know, like The Avengers. And, then, and I'm like, I'm like a little, but I, I got to tell you, I absolutely love this. I love sitting down with someone well, like Well, because it's a and, form of intimacy. Yeah. And it's a form of real connection. And you're talking about what matters. Yeah. That's what's great about podcasts. You can actually get to know somebody. As opposed to small talk, you know, you're talking about what's important. And, you know, also a lot of people who are younger listen to guys like us because we are the age now or getting the age of their fathers. We are. So that's crazy. We've, we've failed a lot more than they have. We've gotten a lot more no's than they have. That's why they should listen to me. Not because I'm smarter because I'm not. But I just I have better pattern recognition. Yeah. And you, and you put your finger on something before, which is. Um probably to the detriment of my podcast. I do talk, I feel like hopefully I don't take myself too seriously. We, we have some laughs, but like it's in general, I put yours on, you know, I told you on the way over here, I was listening to you guys and it just, it does make me laugh to hear the back and forth. Even the nonsense stuff, I feel like I'm getting to know you. I mean, I would imagine your fans must feel like they know you, like they're your best friend because they're, they're in the room with you. Yes. It's and it's really you guys are really honest. Yeah. And what I what I like about it, if you're listening, you should go check out the fighter and the kid. They they it, so Brian and his partner Brendan Schaub, who's telling you about, they get up. It, what I like about it is it's almost like three shows in one. It's kind of like you guys just BSing as as dudes. You know, you talk about the stand up and you give the dates and all that stuff. That's out of the way, and then then you kind of have that. Uh, the, you, you do talk politics and everything. And then you have the guest in, you get deep with the guest, but you're also having fun. And it's kind of this great combo yeah. of light and heavy and surface and deep. That's like, it, it's, well, yeah, it's that's, that's, we don't, that's why we don't plan anything. Yeah. You know, you don't know it's a conversation. Yeah. It's not an interview. That's what happens with me. I write some stuff down and then I'm like, no, it's just a talk. conversation. You know? it's, it's better yeah. because you see that's what's a beautiful thing about, I think that's why there's this, this this sort of a renaissance of understanding and a renaissance of learning and renaissance of ideas. Uh, there's sort of this, the, to, to, Matt Ridley talks about idea sex. There's an idea orgy going on out there because you're, you can, with podcasts, you can hear two hour conversations with authors and, and people who think deeply about subjects. And, you know, they're there and, and you're seeing more and more of this, this marriage between entertainers and, philosophers and scientists and all that. Look at Sam Harris on Joe Rogan and things like that. Or I just interviewed Brett we- uh, Eric Weinstein, who's, you know, knows more about physics maybe than anybody on the planet. And he's, he works for Peter Thiel and he's just a brilliant guy, but I wouldn't get a t- chance to talk to Eric unless, I mean, unless I took his class somewhere at Oxford right. or something, but, right. but he comes to my stand up. Great job. It was so funny and smart. I'm like, well, you're working on the theory of everything. So thank you for saying it was smart. Yeah. 
you know, but this is what's great because then we have a conversation and people tune in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, well, it's also cool because the reach last year when I was planning to do this, I kind of hemmed and hawed for a good six months while I had the equipment. and was like, you just, just BS holding myself back. And we were in Italy, my entire family for my mom's 75th birthday. And my, my immediate family, we were in Venice and I went out for a run and I was listening to you guys. And then I was in Tuscany and I was listening to you interview Judd Apatow. Uh-huh. And I'm like, how cool is this yeah. that I'm listening to a dude that I know mm-hmm. who recorded this thing in it's incredible. You know, Marina Del Rey yeah. or wherever it is you record. I'm in Italy. I got Judd Apatow. It's very intimate. I know you've worked with him a bunch. And it, and it, it just flowed. And I never it, worked with Judd. I wish oh, I did. Wait, I thought you... No, uh, Todd Phillips, but I never worked with, with Judd. I oh. love, he's, he's, Judd's amazing, though. Yeah. I'd he, love to. You know what? I love that conversation. He, it was, yeah. but that, that's what I'm saying. You, well, you, I kept trying to get to how he does what he does. Yeah. How is he that good? And how is he that good all the time? He's so fucking talented. Yeah. But I wanted to get into why and how his. Well, you did. I feel like you, I yeah, feel like you kind of. No, I guess you can't. Like, how does LeBron James explain how he, you know. There's know. a certain amount of just talent. And then the rest of it is what you said. It's like, he, he you know how you said you get on stage and you just know you have a gift yeah. for stand up. Yeah. He's got a gift for putting these stories Star together. Stuff, and yeah. then he also does it. And then, you know, it builds. But, it, but I, I felt like you guys really got to the, the essence of him. And that's why, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still tweaking this. I'm like 70 episodes in or something. And I'm still going like, what is this? What, what is it? Should it be longer? Should it be shorter? And, and one of the things like in that conversation that I loved, people go, Oh no, you can't have it too long, man. Like you got to have, it's going to be a half hour. They can get in and get out. And then I'm like, no, I listened to that probably over four different days. And I just came back in where like, you it's like binging TV. You yeah. just come in whenever you want yeah. and you leave when you want. If I liked, if I didn't like that conversation, I wouldn't have come back the next day. Right. But I did. So I did, you know, uh, what I like about the longer ones is that you actually get in there and like, I felt like I knew him a little bit at the end of your conversation. Yeah. And sometimes that's what this is, you know, is, is all about is like, I, I hate now it seems like everything's these little sound bites or advertisements or whatever. Well, that's but, what but podcasts, podcasts are, the have anecdote too. Yeah. yeah, they've just blown it all up. Yeah, and so, so people are being more and more exposed to ideas. That's the biggest, that's the biggest um, in my opinion, metric for progress. You know, the, the people don't realize, you know, they, they'll amend things like the Trump phenomenon and all that. No, people are getting smarter all over the world because they are, it's way easier to be exposed. Look at Joe Rogan. I believe is historically significant because he is probably the first person in history through that podcast to expose people from all walks of life, especially the working class, to real deep thinkers and authors. Nobody has time to read a fucking book when you got um, house bills, three kids in grade school. Nobody has time. But they do have time while they're doing their shitty job to have Joe Rogan interview, you know, Eric Weinstein or whoever it might be, or several authors, they have that time to get that in their ear. And Joe has an ability to pull out from them the nuggets, what's actually interesting. Because the fact is that there's this idea that the uneducated 
quote unquote uneducated people that didn't go through a formal education are not interested. They're very interested in what ideas. Of course, they're interested in the best way to eat. Of course, they're interested in the best way to think about a subject like the Hillary Clinton emails or whatever it might be. Everybody wants, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to agree and it doesn't mean there isn't a place for the left and the right and everything else. But, but when people put things in a context, you know, you go, you know, as much as I read, I, I still am always learning from a guy like Jordan Peterson who explains that you need the right wing is, you know, the, the, the society is built into a hierarchy and you have, you know, there's always going to be people that are just better than other people. And they're going to be people that just get most of the wealth and produce most of the stuff. How, what do you do about that? Well, there are people who can't compete. Yeah. There are people that can't compete. They're just not that good at it, or they just can't get out of their own way or whatever, but they have other values. Well, those people are spoken for by the left wing. The right wing is speaking for the people that produce and have, you know, and have, and, and are strong, but you have to have compassion for the weak too. You need everybody, but with, until you have someone like Jordan Peterson on Joe Rogan or wherever it might be, put that into context. Cause he's had the time to think about it. The rest of us are just going on instinct yeah. or feeling. Yeah. And I think the value of podcasts is it takes those feelings and it lets you realize that sometimes those feelings are predicated on false premises those feelings are predicated on your own confirmation bias, your own, the way your, your biased brain works. And all of a sudden you get a different perspective. Changing minds is how you change the world. Yeah. You know, there are some bad ideas out there. Now there's a, there's, there's a tendency to take bad ideas and shoot your way out of them, but there's a, there's an easier way to do it. Replace the bad ideas with a better idea. Yeah. And also the, just the understanding. I feel like I know, I know people way left and way right. Yeah. Love people way left and way right. Um, more, you know, and, and I, I always think, God, if only they knew that the other one was actually, like, like there are values on, on well, both sides. Well, they both serve a purpose and you need both. And But there also, I think that there are cliches on both sides because I've heard, you know, people I know that are on the right talk about the left and people on the left talk about the right. And I think they're both, wrong. It, uh, they're not assessing. Well, know. sometimes compromise when you have the moderate right and the moderate left, actually, sometimes those compromises can keep things, keep the status quo where it is. And that's not such a good thing sometimes right, right. to get actual change. You do need radicals. You sometimes. need radicals. Yeah. 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 So, um, so uh, you tell me a little bit about just because we, we brought it up, uh, the Goldbergs, which I, I haven't watched in a while, but love that show. I love the heart of that show. Yeah. And um, we kind of stumbled upon it. And then I, I thought of it as like the the half hour comedy version of a show that I loved growing up, which was The Wonder Years. I mean, yeah. it's just it's got that same heart yeah. to it. So that came about as it was just a, a guest spot originally or, yeah. or like. The- and then just I played my dad, basically an extreme version of my father, a Marine, a 1980s, you know, a, a former Marine is now a gym teacher in the 80s. Yeah, you know, it was my generation. Loved Ronald Reagan and the God guts in the American way. You yeah, know, there's this is a deliberate person, and it just kind of this is a very literal and literal man. This is not a nuanced thinker. Yeah. There's right and there's wrong. He's he's and he's probably more right. He's a simple guy. Doesn't mean he's dumb. He's just simple. Yeah, he doesn't overthink shit. There are winners and there are losers in life, and. uh and there's a way to behave to become a winner. 
and take your wishy-washy intellectual fucking mumbo jumbo and stick it up your ass. I got to change these kids into, I got to turn these kids into good citizens. And that means learning how to win well and learning how to lose well. And so have you learned a lot about, because you're further, you're obviously further left than that character. Have you learned a lot about yourself by playing that character? I don't know where I am. I mean, you know, or I, you, I, I, it depends on the issue. I'll lean yeah, left, yeah. I'll lean right. You know, yeah. It all depends. So uh, I'm, I'm a pragmatist, I, I, I hope. Yeah, me too. You know, I, the best compliment I got recently was from a smart guy who said, um, I was pitching the show, and he said, well, what I like about Brian is he changes his mind. And I do. I, I do because... Because um, you're open. Well, I mean, I just... Again, it goes back to not taking yourself too seriously. How the hell am I supposed to know everything? Right. You know, I read a book. It's like in my, my last special. Like I read a book. I'm like, I got the answer. I read another book. I'm like, not that fast. I don't know how you... Yeah. How am I supposed to be one thing all the time? Well, that's the other thing I have with, with you know, the news and politics and everything. I always feel like everybody's going so crazy, but... I I know I have a very good friend who was a Navy SEAL and he's, you know, he's like the things that are that are going that are talked about. He knows about things that have happened that, that are denied publicly, completely denied. So how do we know? Even I don't even I think people are arguing over things that they don't even really have. That's why you have to talk Everybody, about that's why you have to talk about larger issues. Yeah, that's yeah. why you have to talk about rule of law, transparency, a free press. The, you, if you're going to get into details and nitty gritty, you know, everybody has a different perspective, right? So a Navy SEAL has a very different perspective of foreign policy than you and I. It's a little bit like, you know, when I'm looking down on a city from an airplane versus when I'm in the city right here. Yeah. Those are two very different perspectives. Yeah. Right? So one looks very peaceful from a plane or looks very crowded from a plane and we're here and it's very quiet and safe. Right. It all depends on how you look at it. The, really, reality is where you're standing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, so sorry. So going back to that, the about the Goldberg. So you go in, you do it. You must have been having fun with the role because when you're having fun on a comedy and it hits like that, a lot of having fun with the role is also the people you work with. And yeah, I, I think like I, from the camera crew to the camera. I mean that that's just a, I love that set. Yeah, I, I think that most successful shows are probably become a family. It's usually just you know the the most professional people that I've met and the best people I've met are usually behind the scenes in Hollywood. Yeah. Not in front of the camera. Yeah. That was the issue on this this one that I just told you I just finished. It was such a, I mean, I had so much fun and loved these people so yeah. much. The, the camera crew, everybody. Yeah. And I just, you know, you hope, you think it went well. You hope that people watching it think it went well. Yeah. And you hope that you come back. Yeah. But, um, but so that was, I mean, was it a surprise to you? Oh, you know who I worked with recently? Julia Jones from Wind River. Oh yeah, yeah, you were great in that. Oh, thanks. I man. love that movie. It's a, it's a tough one to watch. I it's a love beautiful it. movie. I yeah. love, what's Renner like? He's cool. I I knew him from uh, before. I had known him when I first came out to L.A. He was friends with some. I'm a huge fan of that guy. He's a really talented. I thought he was excellent in the movie. So, I, I actually thought he was going to get nominated. Smart. I just love him. I can't believe that movie didn't get. You nominated. know what? He's got a unique. Well, it was a it was a Weinstein, Weinstein movie, and yeah. I think that that affected it. Yeah. I, I really do think that that affected. What a shame because that's an amazing movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Taylor Sheridan. Yeah, he he's an actor turned writer. <laughs> I know. Um, he's incredible. Really, really talented. Yellowstone's crushing it too. Yeah, it's I haven't. And I need to watch. I mean, it's like on my list. I have you know fifty thousand things on my list. But uh, she was she was excellent and. Um, 
you know, it was really cool. I spoke to her at, because we didn't, we didn't work together. Mm. So I didn't know her. Julia. Yeah. I didn't know her. And then I saw her at Sundance and we talked that night. Yeah. It, it was at the Eccles theater. It was a I, did a, movie, I did a movie with Julia recently. Oh, She's really? Great. And she was it w- actually talking to her about her role made me, I, I was like in awe of her because as we were talking at this after party, she started to get emotional just talking about the role. And like, you could see how much it meant to her. It was really, something else. really cool. Good yeah. actress. Yeah. 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 Um, but I interrupted you. No, no, no. Uh, I was just saying, um, the, no. So that the, the reason I asked is because about the Goldbergs, because you were kind of, you know, you, it didn't, it came out of something that you couldn't see coming, which is how I think most of the things for us seem to like it, it, all of a sudden you have a spinoff. Yeah. Did you, I mean, was that something that you even thought about when you first went, you're like, Oh, I'm doing a guest spot on this thing. And then as you're going along, did they end up making you a regular? And well, then do yeah. It? But when, when, all... when somebody tells you that they're going to do a spinoff, you, you did never happen. So you just don't believe them. I don't like, think it's I, I listened like with half an ear. Yeah. And then they, then, then they kept talking about, it. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then it was like, we're going to shoot the pilot. I was like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Then the pilot got greenlit. I was like, really? And then we shot it. And I was like, well, that was nice. It's not going to go anywhere. And then it didn't. And I was like, I know. So where I, are I you now with it? Are you in? It got that? picked up a year later because they aired the pilot thanks to Doug Robinson and, and Adam Goldberg. Because they wouldn't take no for an answer. So they aired the pilot in the Goldberg lineup, did really well. Young Sheldon, which is the spinoff from, you know, Big Bang is crushing it. Blackish had a special uh, sequel. So they were like, let's try this. And sure enough, they picked but it up. Have you it. shot the season yet? I shot the pilot and now I got 12 more to go. So you're about to start shooting. You haven't even started like episode two yet. But you're shooting Goldbergs right now. Now I'm So that's Goldbergs. in production. Yeah, and I'm doing a movie in... Uh, September 14th to the 20th in New York City. And what, is that a comedy or is that it's a, a I can't actually even, I can't, can't talk, talk about, about it. it. It's a pop, it's a, it's going to be, it's a surprise. It's like a big movie, but it's like, I'm supposed to be quiet about it. Okay. I'll tell you, I'll tell you okay. after we're Okay. Recording. Well, here, here's a question for you. You do, you're known for your comedy, but knowing you, hearing you on your podcast, you're a deep thinker. I would imagine, do you do, do you have interest in a lot of drama and do you, do, do you kind of toggle between the two? Do you only want to do comedy? Do I you did a lot of drama on stage. Yeah. Um, drama's more masochistic. Drama's hard because you can't fake it. If you do a long day's journey in the night and you're playing Jamie, you can't walk on stage and not have your brother dying of consumption and your, your mother be a heroin addict and, you're, and you can't not hate your father. If you do, you're, you're not going to be a very, you're going to be, it's, you're going to see it. Then you got to fake it. And uh, so I always found the amount of work and preparation it took to become really good at drama. You know, the, the comedy well, is... That's because you're a great... But then again, comedy. but then again, comedy can also be drama. Jackie Gleason was playing drama. So I don't know. Acting's hard. Yeah. I mean, that's what I... Acting is like a balance of not thinking too much about it, but also being prepared. Yeah. I learned a lot doing this comedy. I learned a lot about drama. First of all, my character was up and down so much that... I I felt like it was almost more dramatic than yeah. you know quote unquote drama roles that I've done and and what I what I did learn was to have a a lightness I think sometimes the tendency in drama and preparation is like okay we're doing this big thing and you get all serious about it and what I found on this was like it was a comedy there were th- I was so loose 
that I would, I had a, it's I had also a the choices you make. There's something really funny about comedy. Like, so, so, so here's, here's how I would direct somebody comedically. Like <laughs> if I said it was, I was doing a drama and, 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 you know, you're in love with a girl and I want you, you need to be in love with the girl. Then I would probably give you a note. Like I'd say, uh, do me a favor and tr- say most of your lines to your shoes. You can't really look at her. You can't look at her, but, but don't let her know that. But just, just, it's hard to look at her, you know? So do most of your lines either to your hand or to your shoes or to that spot on this table right here. And all of a sudden we're like, what's he doing? He's too shy to look at her. Or I would say, charm her, make her laugh, you know, do something here, just kind of whatever it might be. But if you were doing a comedy, I would probably, I mean, I'm trying to make, I'm trying to illustrate the difference between the two. I said, you're meeting her and you think she's the most beautiful thing you've ever met in your life. I want you to act. I want your face to look like you smell something bad. Because you're so appalled at her looks that it actually hurts you and it essentially elicits the same problem. Not disgust, but you're so kind of overwhelmed with, the fuck, what, I got work to do. And you stand there like in this dress, like, huh? I didn't know they made girls. Like, what? What's your name? Yeah, Brian. Yeah, how, how, how you doing? Like, like, like that's very funny, right? Yeah, because, yeah. like, but I'm what I am is I'm just I'm just like I'm I'm your beauty and insults me because I don't know what to, you're yeah. causing a crisis, right? And I find it insult. I got work to do, so you're, it's, you're I have work to do, and you are you're in the area, right? Well, that's a problem because I got. I got to pick up some shit. I, I can't, I'm not even, you know, I, I, this is a major distraction. I don't fucking need. So I don't like you. I and mean, that's funny, right? So right. now we're like, you know, we're looking at you going, like, so that would be, but you're still acting. Yeah. You're just acting a different thing. It's just yeah. a different choice. Yeah. That's how I, I think that's how I look at comedy how versus look, drama. Yeah. Oh, I think comedy is, is really uh, precise. I think it's in yeah, a way. It's a rhythm. Yeah, and and it's um, it, it's it's interesting because I I feel like it's easier. You see more often at least comedians making the transition into heavy drama than you do, you know, yeah. a heavy dramatic actor making the transition into comedy. I think yeah. it seems more often that yeah, way. Yeah, a lot of dramatic actors have this idea that they're not funny. It's not true. Yeah. I mean, Robert De Niro is not a funny guy. He's also not, you know, I know people who know him. He's not, he's not going to knock your socks off. Like but, a midnight run. And, and how mean, good is he in that? But, but, but that's the other, that's the other, that's my take on it is when you play, if you play the comedy and, uh, you know, I've not. And done, Charles Grodin is phenomenal. Oh, he's amazing. The fact that he that, doesn't act anymore is outrageous because yeah. he's a phenomenal actor. But yeah. That's one of my favorite. That's like one of my favorite. One of the movies. greatest movies ever made. Midnight Run. Planes, like Trains, a, and Automobiles, Midnight Run. I mean, these are, these movies are Ferris Bueller's Day Off. There's some movies that are just the greatest. Yeah. Oh, so talk to me about when you, when you knew, speaking of those movies, how early on did you kind of catch the bug, know that you wanted to do this? Ferris Bueller's Day Off was a seminal movie for me because, um, only in that I, I realized I had to take my life seriously. He said, you better stop and smell the roses once in a while or something like that. Smell the coffee. And I went. I went, well, that movie's the greatest thing I've ever seen. I want to be him because he embodies a good philosophy in life. Not to just be a drone and follow the rules because you're told to, but he, he got to the why. 
so in that sense, and then I saw Raging Bull. And I saw a guy named Robert De Niro I didn't know. And I didn't know what Martin Scorsese was. And um, when I saw that movie, I, I, I didn't know what to do with myself. I just knew that that was a great artistic effort. And if, that's, if it moved me that deeply, I had to be part of it somehow. I had to be involved. I had to do that. I wanted to be, I wanted to do that. And then I... How old were you when you saw it? I was uh, not that young, but I was probably 19. Okay. And sorry, I cut you off. And then, 20, you- and then I heard... I was, I, want, I was thinking about being a Taekwondo teacher, of all things. And I was in Jersey on the turnpike. And, and Johnny 99 by Springsteen, the live version, came on. And I had never heard Springsteen. I didn't like Springsteen. I didn't know Springsteen. And uh, I grew up overseas. And I heard this guy singing, and I went... Who is this? He goes, it's Springsteen. When you were 19? Yeah, I was in Jersey. They go, it's Springsteen, car full of guys, my Taekwondo buddies. I went, what? That's Bruce Springsteen? That's like not knowing what oxygen is. I know, dude. I know. I didn't. And But if you hear him sing that song, if you hear him and his voice, I mean, it's like... You know, I I, I said, well, um, I, I can't not be an artist of some kind because I don't know what he's doing, but that's living and everything else is dead. I, I, I just, I couldn't do, I was like, I, if I don't do that somehow, if I don't touch that somehow, by the way, cut to 23 years later, whenever it was. And I had a long conversation with Springsteen about writing songs versus writing jokes and we had a meaningful conversation about acoustics. Has he seen your stand-up? No, I wish he has. Maybe, but I don't Sorry, know. Sorry, so go on. So go- but we had a meaningful conversation about how important acoustics are in a room and how we like playing to smaller audiences. <laughs> yeah, smaller audiences. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's yeah. placed the LA Coliseum versus yeah. Staples. But, <laughs> but we had a great conversation. How awesome is for that? For an hour and a half about what mattered to us. And by the way, what mattered artistically to us, me and what was the Bruce context of that conversation? How, how, how were you in that? I situation? was in his dressing room because my friend was friends with him and uh, got me in uh, after we sat front row and or sat, stood front row. And um, he's my hero, you know. He's one of my artistic heroes. So I fucking i I talked to him for an hour and a half. That's... It was the same thing I talked. I talked to Tom Cruise that long just alone, but it didn't have the same effect. Really? No. I just liked Tom Cruise. He was really cool, but I, 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 I not the same, you know, yeah. spring scenes. And I said, do you want did you ever want to write a book? He goes, no, why? I, I didn't want to dilute what I was trying to say. I was like, you didn't want to dilute what you wanted to say. He's such a purist. Well, now he has that book, which I took with me to France and ha- didn't read, but I yeah. like, when I got it, it was a, a Christmas gift two years ago. I still haven't read it, but it was, the, I read the first like 15 pages and I'm like, he is such a, yeah. it, his, his uh, description of his street that he grew up on yeah. is amazing. You know, he's, yeah. he's a poet. Well, he's a poet and he took what was around him and wrote about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so then that makes me uh, want to ask you about, I, I think, first of all, I think stand up comedy is the ballsiest thing you could do. I've never done it. Um, people think being an actor, getting on stage is brave. I say, eh, being a stand-up is brave. It's your words. It's your actions. It's you. It starts and ends with you. Um, one, I want to talk 
to you a little bit about that kind of like uh, when you started and then just going out like, you know, I, I know the feeling of being backstage for a show, for a play, but then also about your writing process, like, how, you know, where does your writing come from? What it, what, what is it that turns you on in the writing? And are you, you talked about changing people's minds before. Do you feel like with your comedy, are you just entertaining? Are you trying to change your mind, change people's minds? Are you trying to enlighten them? Are you doing all of the above in some combination? Like what, what is it like, hmm. where's it, where's it come from? How's it, how's it I mean, it you know, I, I, I give advice to young comics or people who want to do comedy. I say, you comedy should come from the big questions. What am I afraid of? What am I ashamed of? Who would I rather be? Who am I pretending to be? How do I want to die? How do I not want to die? What do I want to say when I die? These are all the questions. That's why you've been doing it for so yeah, long. Cause you're coming from questions somewhere that are always yeah. changing anyway. You know, I'm, I'm in a transition in my life. You know, oh, you're always transitioning. And so it's very, very interesting to be at 51 to have kind of like completed all the things you set out to do in a way. And that's interesting because now I have to find motivation to do other stuff. Yeah. I have practical motivations, money and stuff. But <clears throat> but um, you always have to go back to the drawing board. You feel like you're in a stage right now where you're going back to the drawing board like you've... Always. Kind of, Stand-up keeps you honest. Yeah. You can't relax. There's yeah. no such thing as being good at stand-up. I was good at stand-up when I was doing my one hour, and now I'm back to zero, and I suck. Because you're starting new material? So done. how does that work? What's that process like? Of go, like you See, I don't know the comedy world at all. Um, so you have a show. The show does well. It's honed material. You kind of worked on it in smaller uh, venues and then, and then you did it and you had a show that was, what, what was this one? The, the never grow up. Is that, is that kind of the biggest one that you do or you well, had something? Now I have a new one, which is, I don't know what I'm going to call it. I might call it colorblind. I'm not sure. And it's just being worked out right now. It's, I just finished editing it. Now it's going to be shopped. And where will you shop that? Like you know, Netflix, Netflix, Showtime, the usual suspects. Okay. And, and so how does that work when you, when do you decide this one's kind of over? I've run it. It's run its course. You feel and that, it. You feel <laughs> it. Yeah. It reaches a boiling point. And then even when you what's shoot. That, what's that like? Like you're going on the road, you're actually doing it live and you feel like this is dead at this point? Well, you're controlling the audience. You're not even controlling what you're saying. You're, you're breathing air into the one, 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 you know, one section of the audience and pulling air out of the other section. You're playing them like a giant harmonica. So you feel like a technician, but you don't yeah, feel you like, have, you no, feel checked out? No, you or? do. No, no, because you're always writing and changing it to the very, very last minute. But you're, yeah, you're always coming up with new ideas. And, and but after a while, you have, you have completed the theme. You have been thematic and you are, you, the story has a beginning and middle and an end and it's as good as it's going to be. Every, every joke, every bit is like a song. It's got the perfect number of words and the perfect tempo and rhythm. And do you, know, you, emphasis. Do you feel like, uh, like say this next one, because of whatever it is that's going on at, at the particular time you're creating a new show and new material, do you feel like you're open to it becoming something? And do you, and do you want that where you're going, you know what? I've done this. I've done. I've done jokes. I've done this. I want to do something different. I want to turn it on its head. I want to reinvent well, myself. Well, I, 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 this this last episode was was an argument. You know, was thematic. Was saying something. 
you know, I, I was, I was, it was my rebuttal to identity politics. I don't like identity politics. It was my rebuttal to categorization and this trend for equality of outcome. I like equality of opportunity. California now has a bill by these morons like Jerry Brown, morons, and they're, they're moron, um, they're ideological, uh, tyrant, tyrannical sort of groups that want now to in, enforce, mandate by the state that publicly held companies have women on their boards for gender equality, regardless of whether those women are qualified. Yeah. You, if you have all men on your board, if you don't have at least some women, you will be penalized. So let's just put women on. So the state wants to make it a crime. So instead of having a meritocracy or a hierarchy of competence, uh, let's, uh, let's, put, let's make sure that vaginas, so you have to have a womb and vaginas, maybe not a womb, but you have to have, I guess, a vagina and a predom- uh, more estrogen or an XY chromosome. I guess that's what it is. I, I don't know what the criteria is when they say more women. Yeah. But, I, but, but, but what about transgender and what about dwarves? What about black dwarves? What about, uh, what about the handicapped? What about the, them as well? Is it, are we going to have, are we going to have a mandate for that too, just to have diversity for its own sake? Or are we going to have people that are just good at the job and understand the business work their way up, all the way up and are, provide value and, and the shareholders with, you know, value? I, I believe in that. But you have people who've never worked in the real world, like Jerry fucking Brown, who are, um, stupid enough to think that the government can ensure and engineer equality. This is my problem with the left wing. This is my problem with socialists. This is my problem with all those people. They've never picked up a history book to see how this shit turns out. You can't do it. It doesn't work. Yeah. You can do it at the, at the, you know, at the barrel of a gun. Ben Shapiro, who I have my disagreements, but also agreements with said, Liberals aren't anti-gun. They just want to make sure that the people in uniform have them, not citizens. It's an interesting argument. I don't know how I feel about that, but it was an interesting rebuttal. Liberals are very much about force, as long as they're behind the force. And, and, and liberals, I'm a liberal in a lot of ways, but when I say liberals, I mean human beings. Yeah. But my problem with the left is they don't realize that everybody's a human being, and power at the top is always going to corrupt you. Government bureaucrats... Are, a lot of them are good people, and a lot of them do a lot of good. But they're the nature of anyone, and if I were there, I'd be the same way, is to try to solve problems. But I don't know enough about the intricacies of a business, but I know me, Brian Callen, I'd be a fucking bureaucrat. I know I would try to make the world better, and I'd fuck it up knowing me because a little information goes a long way with me. So having known that, I'm not saying I'm better than Jerry Brown. But I'm saying he should know better. Yeah. He should know better. And so should the, the people trying to push this law through. Yeah. I mean, it's outrageous to me. And it discriminates against men. So gonads, you're penalized for having nads. You fucking dummies. It yeah. makes no sense. Yeah. Well, it's like a, it's a pendulum. I think that people are trying i i mean this is well, no, they're i don't trying want to run for to, office no, yeah, they're, they're trying, trying to offset to, the unfair they're, advantages yeah, they're saying that, straight white men are yeah. in lots of then we want we want more categories involved but yeah. again that's not the way to look at human beings i'll quote jordan jordan peterson again 
it sounds like I'm a hero. These people are all my heroes, but I mean, uh, but they have some interesting things to say. Jordan Peterson said the West a long time ago figured out that the individual is the only category that should matter. Treat people like individuals. Yeah. Don't worry about their sex organs. If you're gender queer, if you're a transgender, whatever you are, if you're good at the job, if you provide value, I'll hire you. Yeah. I would. I don't give a fuck. What do you like to do? Dress like you like to dress up. You feel like a woman inside, but you got a beard. I don't get, Hey dude, are you good at your job? Right. Then you got the job. I don't give a fuck. Otherwise, I guess we'll have to worry about the gender neutral bathroom shit, but I'll deal with that. If you make me money and you make my company more profitable and you add value to this nonprofit or whatever, welcome aboard. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel. Well, I agree. I think it's the same thing in, uh, you know, in with religion, it's like, you, you know, everybody's going to believe what they're going to believe as long as it doesn't infringe on my rights, my beliefs and yours doesn't infringe on your belief. Yeah. You know, we're all the founding fathers we, figured that out. We're all, you know, have <coughs> thoughts and beliefs and systems. But I'm amazed but, at how, how people never really understand that, how that, that, that seems to always skip their minds. You know, I don't know. It drives me crazy. Really. It does. Yeah. It seems like a, uh, just a respect thing. You know, you're playing in the, sandbox and you know you have you have your toys and i have my toys if we want to share toys great if we don't great you can go build a sandcastle i'm going to dig a hole why does it matter right what you're doing it It shouldn't affect me i'm you're building a sandcastle so build it correct you know i mean that that's that's always been my um my my thought with uh, with all of it it's been it was it was interesting for me because I played uh, Scandal, that show Scandal. Which oh, yeah, I, don't yeah. know if it, I played a a uh, a gay male prostitute wow. who ends up. I'm like playing uh, the the chief of staff. I'm trying. I'm getting paid to get dirt on him, and then it ends up like we fall in love, and there's a marriage in the in the White House, and this whole thing. And as it comes out. Uh, in this wedding episode, you find out that my character who came on the scene, like, you know, in a suit and he's getting his MBA and he's like really put together. It turns out he was kind of, you know, uh, disowned by his parents. His father's ashamed of him and this whole thing. And on social media, I got a lot of feedback from the LGBT community and like saying, oh, thank you for telling our story. And it was really kind of eye-opening as to what people are dealing with. And my whole thought with all of it is like, I don't, I don't really, I don't care what you do one way or the other, whatever you do behind closed doors. Cool. Don't, don't yeah. infringe it on me, but I don't care. I, I don't know why everybody gets up and to hurt anybody's feelings for me. Like I, that's why I never told, What's that? I never told gay jokes. Yeah. Back in the day, I never, I, cause I just didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want somebody who's gay in my audience to f- not have a good time. They're all laughing. And then you yeah. say something derogatory about being gay or you make fun of. Somebody. Well, how are you? That, that, how are you with, like with humor? You know, that, I've never been into humor that's like bashing one group or another. That was my problem I, with Stern back in the day and when he was younger. He was mean. I just I, I don't like it. I, feel, yeah. I just don't. Yeah. I, I it's not my kind of thing. I don't think it needs. I don't, like I don't think it's necessary. People. I don't yeah. like any of it. I, I don't know personally. I don't. I'm just. A, I'm a bitch that way. I just don't like it. Yeah, it's never been interesting to me. Well, I heard that. It's funny. One of the things I I heard, uh, 
it's it's a I think it's a cool quality of yours is that because you're you know you're into the fighting you're into the whole thing you know so you're you're a tough guy but I heard you just before I came here I was listening to you guys and you were talking about hosting um, some show that you said you felt like you felt bad for the contestants on the show oh, or, yeah. or, or you you yeah, said I didn't like they were, it I didn't they like- were in a position of need and they were asked they were they're being the taken humiliating, advantage of yeah. the humiliating process of asking somebody for money. Yeah. You know, some of them were desperate. I mean, come on. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I, also, I, I agree. I, like, I mean, I don't like I, it. I don't like seeing people vulnerable. Yeah. I don't like the destruction of human beings. You see this all the time. We're so into destruction. That's what social media, my God. Yeah. The idea that you made a mistake or you tweeted something and then we're just going to destroy you. Yeah. We're going to get you the, you know, like, come on, man. You just made me think of something I, I heard you say, this is probably months ago, but I've, I've had you in my ear because I totally identified with you. Somebody was talking about social media. Maybe you're talking about it with Brendan and he, he was better at it or whatever it was. And you said, I was brought up in a generation that was taught not to you know, have a trumpet on the hill saying, look at me, look what I did, look what yeah. I did. But that doesn't work anymore. And no. that's how I've always felt. I feel like I've just, in the last couple of years, I've, I've kind of, I've kind of finally caught on and gone, okay, I got, and it's easier with yeah. a podcast, to yeah. be honest with you. I'm much, much more comfortable going like, hey, listen to Brian Callen. He's great. I can put you, but it's hard for me to go like, watch me on this no show. Shit. It's hard. Me too. And, and you said Still that is. and I, because I was looking at you going, wow, he's, he's actually really good at it. So to hear you say that. I'm good at it because I followed the lead of Brandon Schaub and people like Joe Rogan. Yeah. Who explained to me it's a huge part of my job. Yeah, it is. a comic, which it is. I sell tickets. Yeah. But if you notice my Instagram, it's always funny. It's not, I'm trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be, I'm not promoting myself. Yeah. I'm not putting workout videos. Yeah. Not showing me. I'm not boxing, hitting mitts, joking around. Yeah. My job is to be a silly goose. I'm not a tough guy. I'm not an athlete. I'm not a scholar. I'm just, I'm a comedian. Yeah. It's funny. I feel like this has given me some kind of more direction. This podcast has given me more direction of like, I'm like, okay, my, my thing that I feel like what, what has come of this, it's like 10,000 no's. It's the gist of it is try to encourage people that are either they're doing what you and I have been doing for 20 years and, and they, they're following the dream, but they've been knocked down so much that they can't get out of bed or they're overwhelmed. Or it's someone who's in a cubicle and they've got this thought, I want to go do this thing but I'm going to get made fun of. I don't yeah. want to do it. And, and I just want to like give them a little push like, hey, who cares? Yeah, yeah. And, and so now I feel like the social media aspect has become, it, it's, it's become this thing, which is like the gist of it is like, you know, there's some stuff with my family. There's some stuff with work. There's some stuff with the podcast, yeah. but it's all the gist of it is like, you know, keep going. Yeah. That's, you know, and it's basically me saying it to myself. Keep going for the right reasons. Find yeah, out yeah. why and do it because do it. Be, do, try to get yourself in a position. If you have to have a job that you hate, then you have to pay bills. Do that. But but then have something else on the side. Right. It's so important, man. Something right. that feels like you're learning and expanding and growing. Yeah. I got to get out of here. You, you get, okay. I have to go pick well, up my son. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the other thing. We got families and juggling all of it. 
Um, I really, really appreciate you sitting down Dude, with me, man. It was great to hang, man. We should spend more time, you know, hanging out. It was, it was really a pleasure. Yeah. This is the kind of stuff that's fun, you know, yeah. to actually talk about what's important. Well, it's it's very, very much appreciated. I know you're super busy, so uh, right at the one hour mark. There yeah. we go. See that? Awesome. 60, I know. I got it in my head. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that. Apologies for it being cut a little short, but the man had to get his son. Meantime, here are what I thought to be some of the top takeaways for you to take with you and use in your situation. One, while we need to persevere and keep going, we also need to adjust as we go. Brian had two previous podcasts prior to partnering with Brendan Schaub on the massively successful The Fighter and the Kid podcast. Two, have a strong point of view and don't be afraid to express it. While I'm guessing Brian may have stirred up some emotions for some of you with his views, I believe he comes from a good, fair place, and I appreciate his honesty. He's he's not trying to soften his point of view, and I'm sure that that very perspective is what has made his stand-up connect with such large audiences. He's not just sitting on the fence. Three, know who you are and play to those strengths. He talked about his social media branding, and while he does many things, he keeps it simple there. Be the silly guy, make people laugh. Okay, thanks again for listening. I urge you to not just listen, but to take these stories and these lessons from these guests and apply them to your life. If you like this one, you may want to hear my interview with actor Eric Christian Olsen. Very different guy, but also an actor who has ventured into more than just acting. If you're digging these conversations, please subscribe and tell your friends and family about 10,000 No's. Thanks. Thanks.